Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor here. And on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and volunteers who set up for you, we're so glad that you're with us today, especially if you're with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're a guest with us, maybe you got here by searching for churches in your area or you saw us maybe on a social media feed of a friend of yours. We're so glad that you're with us. I always invite our guests to come back and check us out at least three times. And here's why I do that is I know when you go or try out a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So come back and check us out at least three weekends. We love to see and hopefully be your spiritual family. Also, since you're watching online and you're at the computer or maybe at your phone, will you hit that share button right below on any social media platform? You can even share it uh, really through text message or just any place that you are watching. We'd love for you to get the word out about Rise Church. That's kind of our hope. And so we're so glad that you're with us. We are in the middle of a series called Happiness Is. And we're, we're doing that because we know that right now a lot of people are struggling with with joy, with happiness. They're struggling in their lives. And there's a lot of us trying to figure out how do we have joy in a season like this, in a season of really crisis and, and, and this current pandemic. And so we started in week one uh, with happiness is talking about, we're going through the Beatitudes. It's in Matthew chapter five. And if you know anything about scripture or the Bible, it's in the kind of the, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. It's telling about the life of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter five, Jesus gives what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts off his sermon with a poem on happiness. And he says, in week one, we looked at his first statement was blessed are those who are poor in spirit. And what's interesting about that is if you don't know what poor in spirit means, it literally meant to be blessed or happy. Makaros, which is the Greek word for blessed, there meant happy. Happy are those who depend on God. That was a big deal uh, for people in that day and age. It's a big deal for us now. Last week, we talked about uh, really happy. His next statement was happy or blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And we need to learn to actually how to be sad or have uh, mourning and learn how to mourn well so that we can truly have joy inside of our hearts, inside of our souls. Today, this week in part three, we're going to talk about the next statement, and it's found in Matthew chapter five, verse five today. Here's our scripture that we're going to deep dive today, and it says this. It says, blessed or happy, if you're sitting there, say happy. If you're sitting right next to your neighbor, say happy. Happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. An interesting set of scriptures, an interesting statement that Jesus is Jesus actually uses, and we're going to deep dive that today. And so with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I thank you that uh, you sent Jesus, your son, 2,000 years ago. I'm thankful for the word of God, for the Bible, that we can open up and learn about his life, and we can open up and learn about who he was as, uh, as, as the savior of mankind, as the Messiah. What a great lessons and great, great stories we can learn from him. And not just how to have a great life now, but really how to lean in and trust and rest in our Savior for our happiness. I pray that, Lord, regardless of the message that I've created, Lord, you have a message for us. And I pray that message would go forth in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Um, it's an interesting season right now for us in church, you know. Normally, if you go to church, if I grew up going to church, but if you grew up going to church or maybe you didn't, the typical way to, quote, go to church is you went to a building. And right now, we don't go to a building to have church. It's kind of a unique season. We're able to be the church and have church and digital experiences. But the place we're having it is online. And I've just noticed the more we're all more online right now, we're all more than we ever were in social media, we're more online than ever before. And in, I don't know if you notice this about the online world, but it's unique. Like the online world is highly unique. It's a unique place where we're all learning how to 
actually like uh, uh, live. We're learning how to, to talk. We're learning how to interact. We're learning how to engage. And I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's some weird words on the internet. There's some like weird, interesting things on the internet right now. And I wanted just to kind of have fun with you today. I called a few young people in our church and tried to figure out some of these words and some of these phrases and statements because I'm a little lost. And so since I'm a good pastor, I want to help you with that and share with you a couple of words you might see on the internet. And if you have some maybe words that you know of, you can put them in the comments right there. Of course, keep them PG rated. Come on, keep it Christian, right? So, uh, but I wanted to show you a couple of them that I was confused about. I call a teenager. These are the top, some of the top statements from teenagers and Gen Z people online right now. And so the first one is this. I just wanted to give you, Ken, I'm a full service pastor here. I'm going to help you out. Cap. So now to me, when I hear cap, cap to me means like a ball cap. That's just kind of how I think about it. If I hear cap, but that's not what it means online. If you see it, it could mean, it could literally mean this to lie about something. So you can kind of hear uh, some ways that the teenagers or Gen Z's use it. They say uh, that you have a statement. I'll give you a statement like this. It says, no cap. This dude is 14. Or they're saying no lie. Like we're not lying about it. This dude is 14. I'm trying to help you you right now. If you see some of this stuff online, you're welcome. Your pastor's helping you. Number two is this. Give you another one. Pop off. Now, this is an interesting one. Kind of like, what's that mean? Pop off. It means to support a rant or humorous behavior. Now, what's interesting about the internet is you're going to find a lot of people who know how to seemingly rant. And you might hear it like this. This statement might come out. Pop off, sis. Like, like say something. Go off. Let everybody know how you are. It's unique. It's weird. I don't know. I don't really get it. I'm going to give you the last one. This is one that I thought was interesting. T. Now, to me, when somebody says T, they mean T, like Earl Grey. You know, uh, iced tea, hot tea, maybe, you know, London fog. You know, you have tea and crumpets. That's what I normally think when I see tea, but that's not what the young people are using. it. They, they're calling that information. You might hear them say it. This statement might come out. It might come out, spill the tea. What did he say? I don't even know what that that means. But I wanted to help you as your pastor and share with you that there's some words that are being said right now, some statements that people are having right now on the Internet and if you are aware, you can get really, you can get what they're trying to say. And what's interesting about this passage of scripture is that Jesus used a word that we don't really use right now. In fact, it's a word that I don't ever hear. You might not ever hear. I don't use it. You don't use it. But the word there was meek. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes you can read something in the Bible and it'll say something and you're like, I don't really know what that means. Or you can assume you know what it means. And when you assume you know what it means and you don't really know what it means, come on, how y'all know that can actually get you into trouble. So I wanted to break down the word meek. And, and when Jesus started off, he said, bless are the meek. The word meek there in the Greek is actually praus. It's an interesting word. It's praus. And, and it literally means to be gentle. That, that praus, when you said you were a gentle person in the Greek, they would call you a praus person. One of the main ways that this word was used for the first century people was actually in regards to horses. I don't know if you've noticed this, but or if you've heard of this, but when they uh, what, what it would typically be is if you talk to a, maybe a first century person who was trying to tame a horse or saw a wild stallion, they would see the wild stallion, they would see the horse, and they would go out and they would try to tame it. And if they were able to tame it, we're talking about a strong, fast, wild horse. If they were able to tame the horse, they would call it a praus horse. And literally for them, what it meant was that the horse was strong, the, meant the, the horse was fast, the horse was gifted, but if it was a prowess horse, it was strength that was under control. It was strength bottled up for the master's use. Now, now you would and I might see the difference between a wild horse and a horse that's been bridled, maybe a horse that's been tamed. Here's the interesting thing about both those horses. They're both strong. 
They're both fast. They're, one's not stronger than the other. One, though, just happens to have its strength under control. That's important. I want you, don't miss that. Its strength was under control for the master's use. And, and when they said you, you, you had a prowess horse or that horse was prowess, it was gentle, it was meek, it was saying that horse can now be useful in the hands of the master. Now, you have to ask yourself this question. Are you a prowess person? Are you in control? Are you someone that if someone would describe you, if you asked your wife or your husband maybe sitting next to you, maybe you asked your friend, this could be kind of a fun thing to do online, maybe you send out a text message to your, to your buddies right now and ask them, am I, would you qualify me, would you, would you describe me as someone who's in control? Are you in control emotionally right now? Are you controlled by your emotions or do you control your emotions? Are you, are you someone who's always in a panic? Are you someone who's always emotionally distraught? Every time someone comes to you, do you look like you're about to cry? Come on. Are you in control emotionally? Are you in control physically? Do you control what you eat? Do you control what, what you, what you, where you go, whether or not you work out? Or does your, do your physical body, does your body control you or do you control your body? Or even spiritually, are you in control? You have to ask yourself that. Are you in control for the, you have to think about it, for the, the master's use? I like what Jesus was summarizing. He was saying happy are the ones who have their strength under control for the master's use. Now, I've heard this great statement. I've heard this statement before. Many people have come to me and say, I want to be used by God. You might have said this before. Maybe you have a friend who said this before. Maybe you've heard this before. It's a famous statement in all kinds of churches. And what I've noticed is that those people who have their emotions, their spiritual life, their physical life, their financial life, if they're in control, if they're a proud, meek person who's in control, then they are typically used by God. And if you're not being used by God right now, I'm just telling you, there could be parts of your life that are out of control. And instead of going to God all the time saying, God, use me, God, use me, God, use me, maybe you can re-examine. We need to look at our lives and go, God, where am I not in control right now? God, where am I missing it? God, where am I? Where do I need to work to adjust and get myself tamed so that I can be used? Come on by the master. Here's why this is so important, because Jesus doesn't just stop at happy are the meek. He said, happy are the meek for then, then I like this because he continues it. He says, then here's what happens. They'll inherit the earth. They'll actually inherit the earth. Now you and I, we see society right now, and it's the anti-culture message, because culture would tell you that if you want the world, take it. Like if you want something in this world, if you want your whole world, whether you want, uh, whether it's a relationship, whether you want money, whether you want a job, whether you want status, whether you want a house, you want a car, whatever you're looking for, if you want the world, then you need to go out and take it. And Jesus actually teaches us something kind of interesting. He says, actually, if you want the world, just be meek, you'll actually inherit it. I love what a great theologian wrote about this topic as I was in my study. And I just wanted to read it to you because it's, he said it in a great way. And I wanted to highlight just one uh, paragraph of what he said. He said this. He said, the influence of the meek and self-controlled, again, our strength under control, 
is in long run greater is in the long run greater than that of the impulse and passionate. So the world celebrates the passionate, the impulsive, the people who are striving and grasping and 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 and, and trying to do everything they can within their power to get the world. He said it's better in the long term to be self-controlled. He said their serenity, their happiness, their peace. Come on. Their 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 makeros, their blessedness, their their serenity helps them to find maximum the maximum of the true joy in all conditions of life. I like how he ends it. This is so good. They say he goes on to say, for them the earth is not a stage of self-assertion and the grasping of desire, but an inheritance which they have received from their father, that they rest. They're happy, they're joyful, and their joy, their joy causes them to be meek, and their meekness, they're, they're, you want to know why they're gentle? Because they know that they don't have to strive for the things in their life. I'm not saying be lazy. I'm not advocating apathy. But what I am saying is that at some point in our life, we have to recognize that as sons and daughters of the one true king, we have an inheritance. And I've just noticed that inheritances, you don't fight for inheritances. You're given inheritances. And that we receive an inheritance. And we can receive the inheritance of the world that you and I desire. And Jesus is saying, if you just learn to be meek and you learn to be gentle, if you learn to be a proud person and be quiet in your spirit and not feel like you got to impress everybody, that you can actually inherit the earth. So with that as our backdrop, I want to give you in our time that we have left three practical benefits to being gentle because Jesus tells us at the end of the day, our, 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 our benefit for being gentle is we'll inherit all the earth. But I wanted to give you some just practical, maybe uh, different kinds of benefits that come from just being a gentle person. Because you might be out here listening to this and thinking about this, and you're like, I, I'm not a gentle person. I'm kind of extreme. I'm kind of loud. I kind of do my own thing. I kind of grasp. I let people know. When I walk in, I'm telling you, I'll bust that door open. Uh, people are going to know. I'm just, I want to give you maybe, I want to maybe make a case for you to adjusting your, your lifestyle to being more gentle, more meek, more prowess in your life. And these benefits will come. Number one, one, one of the benefits of being gentle is that gentleness diffuses conflict. Gentleness diffuses conflict. Proverbs chapter 15 says this, says a gentle answer turns away wrath. Now, anytime I have wrath given to me, I don't tend to be prowess or meek. I tend to mirror exactly what's being given to me. And what's crazy is that if, I, I don't know about you, but anytime somebody gets into a fight with me or starts off angry with me or starts off like kind of aggressive with me, I tend to get into what's called a conflict cycle. Like I get into a conflict cycle. So here's kind of how it starts. Like for me, I, someone starts with being mad at me. They start with being like angry with me inside of my life. Then when they're angry with me, because I'm just naturally like this, I don't, I'm not a meek person, I become angry with them. And then since I'm angry with them, they mirror back to me that they're angry with me. And then I mirror back that I'm angry with them. And round and round and round and round we go in this conflict cycle. And you might not know this, but here's why. That scientists actually show this, that we have what's called mirror neurons inside of our life. And here's what they do. Mirror neurons allow us to sympathize, I like this, to sympathize and mirror back what other people feel. Now, that might be, I might have just completely described your life in your marriage. 
I might have completely described your life with your kids. I might have just completely described your life with your job. Like every time someone comes to you, your life with your friends, when someone comes to you and they're angry, you mirror back in your life anger to them and it never goes away. And what Jesus was telling us is that it, no matter what you're doing and no matter what aspect of life, if you have conflict, conflict isn't diffused by rightness. Conflict is diffused by meekness. Now, we try the other thing. Let me just show them where I'm right, and then it'll go away. When's that ever worked out for us? Come on, if we're honest. It doesn't work out. So Jesus was saying, he's saying, look, man, if you want to have some peace in your life, you want to have happiness in your life, you want to have true joy in your life, we're going to have to learn how to be meek. I love what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 4. It says this. It says, if your boss is angry at you, don't quit. Come on, for all those of you working for a boss right now who you can't stand or you think doesn't get it or you feel like you know more or you feel like he just doesn't seem to figure it out or there's a lot of mistakes being happened, rather than you, come on, rather than you showing him every time he makes a mistake, rather than you lighten him up every time that they say something, rather than letting her know where she's wrong and where you're right, and if you just had her position, come on, we all do that somewhat with our attitudes, right? He says this, he says, a quiet, gentle spirit, there's that word again, gentle, the same word, the proud spirit can overcome even great mistakes. They said, like, if you're going through issues of conflict, don't return it back with the same thing that's been given to you, return it back with meekness. And see how it diffuses the conflict in your life. A gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Gentleness will ultimately diffuse conflict. Second one is this, is gentleness is influential. Gentleness is influential. Now, I know a lot of us right now, we're, we all have this desire to be influential. And when I say influential, we all have this desire to lead. We all have desire to have power, to have authority. And I just want to share with you something that, that leadership at its core, when, when you're trying to find out what, what, what really how gentleness can, can benefit your life, if you want to be a leader, learn how to use gentleness and meekness in your life. I like what John Maxwell said. He says this. He says, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. It's a great leadership kind of guru inside of our world right now, a great Christian man who writes a lot of books on leadership. Leadership is purely influence. And if you're looking to be an influence, you have to recognize in your life the power of meekness, the power of a proud spirit, the power of being gentle in your ways of leading. So I'm going to give you just a couple of, so for those of you looking to, to gain influence, like maybe you're not in charge, maybe you're not the leader, Maybe there's something where in your life where you feel like you're looking to be a leader. I'm telling you, you, you need to learn how to be gentle. You need to learn how to be meek. A, a meek manner can gain you influence. A meek manner can gain you influence. If you're looking to lead, I'm telling you, meekness plays a part. There's a great scripture, Matthew, uh, Proverbs chapter 25, and it says this is patience and a gentle talk. There's our word again, gentleness, meekness, prowess. A gentle talk can convince a ruler and overcome any problem. That if you're looking to actually influence those who are in authority over you, use meekness not abrasiveness. I've just noticed this. This is something you can write down if you want to write this in your notes. I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. Now, I'm just telling you, like if you got somebody in your life 
that you're trying to gain influence with and has authority over you, let me just tell you, don't walk in and tell them your thoughts about everything that you think is wrong every single time. And let me highlight all of your mistakes. Let me show you where you're getting it wrong. Let me show you where I got it all figured out. Rarely have I seen that actually come and become a benefit for somebody in their life. Those don't tend to be the blessed people. If you're looking for influence, if you're looking to gain influence, we have to speak to those in authority in our lives. I'm telling you with the gentleness in your tone. I know this sounds simple. I know this sounds like, no, no, give me to like the theology of it. This is theology. This is God's thought on what it is to be an influence inside of someone's life. That you can gain it if we just learn to be meek. I like what one guy said. He said, get your boss promoted. It only helps you. Get your boss promoted. It only helps you. If you want influence, learn to be meek. Now, for those of you who who have authority, let's say you are a leader right now. You're leading in your job. Maybe you're leading in your family. Maybe you're leading in your marriage. Maybe you're leading with your friends. Maybe you're leading in influence. You have some level of authority over someone's life. Meekness is a powerful tool. Meek leaders, I want to dispel the myth. Meek leaders are not weak leaders. Meek leaders are not, not weak leaders. They, in fact, two people who were called meek inside of Scripture were both Moses and Jesus. I want to read them for you. Numbers chapter 12, it says this. Moses was a very meek and gentle man. In fact, he was more gentle than anyone else on the face of the earth. And you need to know this about Jesus and Moses. They were both meek people called meek, but they were strong. And they were the ones who actually recorded in Scripture, went up and came up against some of the most powerful men in their society and led come on, led in their influence. You can be meek and not be weak as a leader. It's actually a benefit. People will follow you. I'm telling you, people will follow you more if you learn how to be gentle in the way that you lead them. I like what Jesus did, and he modeled this when he was, um, when he was standing before Pilate as he was being tried for a crime he didn't commit. And Pilate, there's this interesting kind of interaction with him and Pilate. And, and, and Jesus actually personifies meekness. I'm going to read it for you. It's in Luke chapter 23. And he says, so Pilate asked Jesus, we're talking about the head guy, the leader and the authority. He says, are you the king of the Jews? He's trying, trying to mess with Jesus a little bit, trying to get him to say something that could be used against him. Now, Jesus could have really made it clear, but this is what Jesus did. Jesus said, well, you said so. Yeah, you you said so. At that moment, Jesus could have called down a legion of angels and said, let me show you who I'm really king of. At that moment, Jesus could have opened up the sky and said, let me show you heaven. Let me give you an example of exactly what kingdom I come from. You want to know if I'm a king? Let me show you I'm a king. He, Jesus could have coughed Jesus could have snapped his fingers. People could have disappeared. He's God. He could do anything. Jesus could have been abrasive with his leadership, could have been abrasive with his influence, but he wasn't. He was meek. He said, well, if you say so. He had the ability to show that meekness is not weakness, that it's strength, come on, strength under control. Jesus was no less strong in that moment but it was under control for just the right time. Last one is this, if you're taking notes. Gentleness, the third thing, the third practical benefit that that comes when we we allow ourselves to be meek and proud is that gentleness is attractive. Now, Now, 
this applies to both men and women. But I just want to give just, just all the men out there, if you're, if you're watching, just maybe lock in with me real quick. I want to give you just a couple of thoughts when it comes to being gentle. The Bible's so clear to us about what our role is when it comes to being gentle. I want to read it for you. It's in 1 Timothy chapter number 6. It says, as a man of God, this is Paul speaking for Timothy, he says, as a man of God, that's who you are. You are a man of God. If you represent me, this is what men of God do. They pursue what God approves of, godliness, faith, love, endurance. Oh, and there it is, gentleness. And I met a lot of men who are like, no, I got to be the strong, broody, arrogant, angry, tough, hard. I got to just be strength personified in those moments. I got to make sure I have a sharp edge to me. And God is saying, if you're a man of God, what you should pursue is the things that I approve of, the things that I feel are, men, are godly as a man characteristic and a, and a trait. You should be, you should be gentle. And if you're single out there, I'm telling you, this is a powerful tool in your arsenal. I'm just telling you. Remember this. If you're single out there, if you're a single guy, we attract who we are. We attract who we are. So if you want to attract a, 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 I'm telling you, a gentle woman, a woman who's kind, a woman who's sweet, a woman who's caring, a woman, I'm telling you, all the things that we want in a woman, you better be that person because you attract who you are. There's a great story where uh, there are two people, Ruth and Boaz, and uh, they were meeting each other kind of for the first time. She moves into the region and finds Boaz, and Boaz obviously finds her pretty, and he's like, man, I'd love to take her on a date. Now, come on, I'm talking to single guys out there. And he says this inside of Ruth chapter two. So this is an interesting interaction. It says, Ruth said to Boaz, you are very kind to me. I want you to catch this, guys. Come on. Even if you're married out there, I want you to catch this. Remember this. He said, you're, she says this to Boaz, you're very kind to me. You've made me feel better by speaking. I like that, by speaking gently to me. And this is what happened, right? So he, so he spoke gently to Ruth. Then, Ruth, then this is what happened. Then at lunchtime, Boaz said to Ruth, come on, let's have a piece of bread with me and dip it in the sauce. Come on, that just sounds great. Like, let me get some chicken. Let's get some bread. Let's just have a good time. We'll have a date. And then Boaz passed some roasted grain to her, and she ate until she was satisfied and still had food left over. Listen, you want a date? The Bible's just saying, you want to, be, you want to find a date? Learn to be meek. Learn to be gentle. It's kind of, you want to hear a fun dumb dad joke. If Boaz would have been ruthless, he would have been ruthless. You're welcome, all teenagers out there. I'm just saying, if you want to have a date, learn to be meek. Learn to be meek. I like what Colossians says to the married men when it comes to gentleness. Colossians says this, says, husbands, love your wives and be, be gentle with them. One of the things that I guarantee you, every woman that I've talked to when it comes to being in marriage counseling or those that I've found who are struggling, they, they find struggle in a lot of times because their husbands just aren't gentle with them. They're not gentle in their tone. They're not meek in their spirit. They're not meek in how they handle. They don't handle them with gloves. They're tough with them. They're rough with them. They react and respond in ways that don't make them feel loved. And I'm just telling you, the Bible's so clear. Be gentle with your wives. Now, ladies, can I just give you a piece of advice? Just something I just would love to share with you from what Scripture says in 1 Peter. This is interesting, okay? And I'm closing with this thought. 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, and it says, you should be known for the beauty that comes from within. This is, this is interesting how, again, a, a paradox, maybe an opposite of what the culture tells all of us. You should be known for what the beauty 
For you should be known for the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle. I like what he says. So there's beauty that you, sh- you should be known as there's, there's, that you're beautiful on the inside. This is the kind of beauty you need to have. He goes on to describe it. He says, of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. That, that it's, he didn't say ignore the outside. He was just saying you need to value the inside as much as you value the outside. Now, now, for many of us, that, that could be a struggle. We're so preoccupied with what people see on the outside. But the Bible teaches us so much about valuing what's on the inside, especially right here, especially if you're a lady, and that it's your gentleness that can be attractive to men around you. And I don't know about you, but I, I've met many people in my life. As a pastor, you meet many, many people. And I, I'll, I'll see people who seemingly are attractive on the outside. You've probably met them, right? These people, you, you, they're attractive on the outside. But, but the moment you talk to them and you find out what their spirit's like and their, 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 you know, how they are with people and, and how they see about life, they're just so ugly on the inside. And Peter was saying, don't miss out. It's not just be pretty on the outside. You gotta have, you gotta have gentleness on the inside. One of the great ways to describe it is um, have, have I, the other, about a few months ago, I remember um, it was Valentine's Day and, and we were, uh, I took my boys out to get candy for my, my wife. We trying to teach them how to love on, you know, their mom and love on the lady that's most important in their life. And, and so my, my boys found, um, the, you know, the, I would say the quintessential Valentine's gift, right? Uh, it's, if it's not flowers, it's candy and it's the box of candy. And, and I remember they bought this candy and my wife was so sweet. You know, it's this, you know, you know, random box of candy types. And she said, she said, honey, you want to share this candy with me? And I said, sure, I'll try one. Have you ever tried one of these candies and you, you picked it up and you're like, that looks so good. And then you bit into it and it was filled with fruit, like that fruit cream stuff that's just nasty. If you're in the comments right now, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm on team nougat, right? Like I'm on team caramel, you know, or caramel, whatever you want to be. So just go ahead and put what team you're on. Because if you're team fruit, uh, we're not driving together because fruit and chocolate that just don't seem to go together in that weird kind of way. But you bought, you bite into it. Come on. You looked at it on the outside. It looked amazing. And then you bit into it and you realized it was nasty. That sometimes we live our lives making sure we look real good on the outside, but on the inside, we're, we're not very good. We're not as, as appealing. We're not as, as, as attractive on the outside, on the inside as we are on the outside. Now, I'm a simple person. I'm a simple person. I like Reese's, right? This is what I like. I like because here's why I like it. Here's, I'm just tell you why. I, I don't like boxes of chocolates because I don't know what I'm going to get every single time. What I love about Reese's is that every time I go, if I can open this bag, I'm going to open it. All right. Every time I go into a Reese's bag, and I call these Reese's PC, that's what they're called, just so you know. So for those of you who call it other things, you're wrong. That's okay. It's America. You have a right to be wrong. So anyway, they're called Reese's PC. Every time I take a Reese's, here's what I know. When I bite into it, I'm getting the same thing every time. It's good on the outside. It's good on the inside. It's consistent in its delivery to me. And I do think that oftentimes, I'm being silly with candy, but I hope you get the point and get the example. At the end of the day, if you're a lady and if you're a guy, there's, there, it matters how you are on the inside. 
It matters your consistency of a spirit that is consistently gentle, consistently meek, consistently kind, consistently like, like, like I'm telling you, just being proud in all of your spirit with everyone that you connect with so that when somebody comes up and tries to have an experience with you and then they start to get into the real you, who you really are, they don't spit it out because they know that you're consistent on the outside as you are on the inside. Gentleness is attractive. At the end of the day, I think Jesus was teaching us inside of scripture. Blessed are those who are meek for they shall inherit the earth. That happiness is found in those who are meek because they'll never have to strive to get the world they desire. God desires to give it to you because you're his son, you're his daughter, and he wants the best things for you. And if we learn to do that, we're gonna have some great byproducts of just being meek inside of our life. That's my prayer for you today.